welcome everyone. Good to have you all here. It's great to be back and be able to share together again, even if we do have to keep a little distance. I want to ask you a question this morning. I'd like you to ponder this as we go through the, the service today. What do you truly love? Think about it. Do you have a favorite food that you love? I got a lot of them. I know Scott's got a lot of them. Do you love going on vacation? Getting away from work and responsibilities at home and just, just kicking back. Do you love your car or your motorcycle? Do you love your children? Do you love your pets? Do you love your parents? Do you love your job? Do you love your spouse? Careful, guys. What is it about these things that causes you to say, yeah, yeah, I, I love that or, or this or them? Is it merely a feeling that you get when you think about someone or something? Or is it a desire that, that wells up in you that, that makes you want to just go all out for someone? Or maybe it's something in between. I don't know. But I think we're all able to say what we love. But what do our actions really indicate that we love? Imagine if someone could observe you secretly for 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. They would be invisible to you. What do you think their report might be about what you truly love? This pandemic has, has caused us to do everything different. It's caused us to be at home a lot more, to be with families a lot more. And that's sometimes added some stress. You know, tempers might have flared. Um, things might not have been done quite up to our expectations. Or you might have discovered that certain family members were a little lazier or a little bossier than they seemed to be before. So it's times like these, I think, that we need to, we need to really think about what is love. It's more than a feeling. It's more than a desire. Well, I don't know of a better place to find a definition than in Scripture. And you all, I'm sure, are familiar with this, these verses. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Verses 4 through 8. Let's look at that this morning. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never dies. Relationships have been strained during these times of, of quarantine and isolation. We've had to just look at ourselves in the world so much differently. And, and maybe even our faith has been tested somewhat. Has your relationship with Jesus been affected? Has it changed? 
because of this pandemic that we find ourselves in. I know personally it's, it's been somewhat of a struggle to, to not be able to come and worship the way we were used to, to not be able to fellowship with friends and family the way we have done. Um, and I think during these times, it's good to be reminded of something Jesus said. In John chapter 14, verse 15, he said, If you love me, keep my commandments. Now that word commandments, when I think of that, I think of the, the greatest commandments. Remember what Jesus said? He said, love the Lord your God with everything you are, with the very essence of your being. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. How you been doing with that during the pandemic? I've not been doing so good. Loving my neighbor, I haven't even seen some of my neighbors. Or family members, for that matter. Sometimes, because of our own actions, our own words, our own choices, our love for God seems to be all over the place and out of focus. How does my sin, my repentance, my love for God, and God's love for me, how does that all come together? What's it look like? Because it seems to have changed recently. Or maybe not. Not too many weeks back, we celebrated Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. When God showed his power and his love for us in a remarkable way. Jesus died on a cross. Was buried in a tomb for three days. And then rose from death to life. What's that all about? Well, it's all about us. You see, it was to pay the price for our sin. It was to settle a debt that we couldn't settle with God. We deserved what Jesus got, but he took it for us so that we might have eternal life through him. Wouldn't it have been nice that if at the moment... We surrendered our hearts to Jesus. We were instantly transformed to perfection. Wouldn't that have been great? No more sin to deal with. Everything would have been perfect. It sounds like a great plan, but it wasn't God's plan. No. No, God's plan for us was to do some plain old ordinary living and be slowly transformed right where we are so that others might see Christ in us and come to believe. Now, over the past few weeks, we have looked at interactions between the disciples and the risen Jesus. Most recently, last week, Scott told us the story of an unsuccessful fishing trip that some of the disciples had had during the night, and they met Jesus on the shore, had breakfast. And that's where we're going to pick up today. In, in John chapter 21, we're going to pick up at, at verse 15. And we're going to listen in on a conversation. A conversation between Jesus and Peter. You remember Peter, right? Simon Peter, the rock. Jesus said, I'll build my church on you. Peter, the one who stepped out of the boat, walked on water. 
Peter, the one who in the Garden of Gethsemane lopped off the ear of one of those who had come to arrest Jesus. Peter, who swore to Jesus, I got you back. I'm your man. No matter what happens, even if I have to die with you, I'm with you. That Peter. Well, came the night in the garden when Jesus was arrested. The religious leaders and the soldiers came, and all of the folks with Jesus hit the road. They left. But it wasn't a surprise. Scripture had told us that I'll strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. And scatter they did, except Peter. Peter kind of lagged behind. He followed at a distance and tried to blend in with the crowd as, as they made their way to the high priest's house. He sat in the courtyard around the fire, talking with the people there. Then it happened. The thing that he swore he would never, ever do, he did. Not one time, not two times, three times. He denied that he even knew Jesus. He swore, I don't know the man. And the rooster crowed. And he looked through the window. And his eyes met the eyes of Jesus. He was broken. And he went away and wept bitterly. Have you ever been in a place like Peter? Have you ever felt that way when poor decisions and bad choices and words spoken that can't be taken back have left you feeling like your whole world was about to collapse around you? I have in my life. I've had my share of bad choices, poor decisions. It's been costly. And I've discovered that as long as you try to follow Jesus at a distance and blend in with the crowd, your love for God will slowly begin to fade. And you might find yourself in a place like Peter, broken and alone. You see, there was a strain now between Jesus and Peter, a rift in the relationship. They knew they need to make it right, but Peter just didn't know quite how to do it. But we learned last week that no matter what, Jesus is always seeking us more than we're seeking him. Thank goodness for that. Like Peter, we all stumble and fall. But we can get back up. Because the hand of God is always reaching down to lift us back up. There's not anything that he can't redeem. There's no mistakes that we can make that he can't turn into opportunities for him. But there's a, a catch to that. For that to happen, we have to surrender ourselves to him. We have to let go of the things that we're holding on to. So we're back at the seashore. 
The guys have finished breakfast. Jesus turns to Peter, and he says, in verse 15, he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? More than these? What does he mean? Have you ever wondered? What was Jesus getting at when he said more than these? Was he, was he talking about more than all these fish that, that they had caught and the money that it would put in Peter's pockets? Is he saying, Peter, do, do you love me more than the pleasures and this world and the money and what it can buy? Was he, was he talking about Peter's former career? Was he saying, Peter, am I going to have to compete for your time with your job because you're going to spend all your time out on the sea fishing? Or was he talking about the comparison between Peter's love for him and the other disciples? After all, Peter had said he was the most committed, that he had Jesus back always. See how that turned out. Scripture doesn't really tell us exactly what it was that Jesus meant when he said more than these. But I think the reason he said it is, is because he's asking us that same question. When he says, do you love me more than these? What is it that you love so much that you dare not lose it? What area is there in your life when you say to God, I know who you are. I believe Jesus did what he did to forgive my sins, but, but I just can't turn loose of this one thing. I just can't do it. It might be a career. It might be a dream of, of wealth or fame. It might be our money. It might be our tongues. It could be our sexuality. Or it could just be the demand of us to have life our own way. That has been my struggle my entire life. My wife made a comment when she read over this. She said, you're 68 years old and you're still an only child. She's right. She's right. I, I enjoy having things my way. And it's the same way it's been a struggle between Jesus and I, for me to, to let go of those things that I think I know best, that, that my decisions are, are, good, are good enough. So what is it? What is it that, that you're holding on to? And what's it costing you? So do you love me more than these, he asked Peter. And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus replies, feed my lambs. Now what he was saying to Peter is, is look, I got a plan for your life. I want you to go out here and come alongside young believers. Then Jesus asked him again, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? Now Peter was kind of, Surprised that he asked a second time. He'd already answered him once. And he said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And with this second declaration of love, he gets another ministry assignment. Take care of my sheep. When these lambs grow, don't abandon them. I expect you to be faithful through the passing of time. You see, God is not calling us to short-time service. 
He's calling us to a lifetime commitment. Then Jesus asked a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, I can only imagine that the third time, Peter, that was sort of painful for him. It hurt for Jesus to ask him a third time. Do you think he had forgotten the three times that he denied Jesus? You see, as painful as it was, Jesus was offering Peter a way to boldly come back from those denials, to mend that rift in the relationship that, that had been created. Or maybe Jesus was just asking to see if Peter would respond in a positive way, even though he'd been hurt. You see, I think it's easy to say we love Jesus when, when he's given us stuff when things are going our way. But what about when we're hurt? When we feel like our prayers weren't answered? When we've been doing all the right things, yet nothing's going our way? You know, that's exactly when we need the love of Christ and we need a love for Christ the most. When we're hurt and when we're alone, and we don't know which way to go. Peter was still able to say, even this third time, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus gave him a third assignment. Feed my sheep. He was letting Peter know that there'd be no end to his call to discipleship. That as the sheep aged, Peter was to age right along with them provide them with care and teaching and the Word of God. Now, Jesus also revealed something else to Peter, not only a plan for his life, but a plan for his death. In verse 18, he says, I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Years later, Peter would be crucified. But he requested to be crucified upside down because he didn't feel he was worthy to die the same death that Jesus did. I think he came back from those denials. His commitment was real. You see, if Jesus doesn't know our ending, how can we really trust him with our present? Have you ever thought about that? If he doesn't know how it's going to end, how can we trust him with right now? I think that was part of my struggle for years. Lack of trust. I wasn't real confident that he knew how this was all going to play out. But he does. We've not been born to make a difference for God in some other place or some other time, some other era. No, we, we've been born to make a difference for God right where we are. Right now, right here, in, in the midst of, of 
political unrest, racial unrest, a pandemic right here, right now. That's where we're called. And trust me, each of us brings a little something to this if we will let Christ have it to redeem it. You know, there's no reason in the world, by worldly standards, that I should be standing up here talking to you the way I am, that I should be affiliated with a church. Those of you who know my background, know my past, those of you who have walked with me through some terrible things, it just took letting it all go to be set free from the things that haunted me, like the things that must have haunted Peter. After that night in the garden, how must he have felt going forward? It's a lonely, lonely place to be. But the most important question we have, we still have, and we're going to have to answer it again and again, is do you love me more than these? Because each time we we choose our own way, each time we think we know better what's right for us, we answer no. No, I don't love you more than these. And our love for God will fade just a little bit more. But every time we answer yes, every time we turn loose of whatever that thing, that person, that job, the dollar, whatever it is that that has us, that captures our heart and our attention and our time, every time we say yes and let go of some of that, we draw a little closer to God. And we allow him to show us what he has planned for us. What our life can be this very day. And, and it has to happen every day. I began this journey in, in 1970. And every day I still struggle with turning loose of something. It's so easy to get caught up in the world especially this world that we live in today and this affluent place that we all live right around here. But we've got to be willing to see the true value and what it is that we have compared to what it is that we will have. If we have a here and now reality perspective, that's the way we're going to live. But if we have an eternal perspective, that we know that all this is just, just a stopover, then we can really begin to live the life that God has called us to. You see, it's, it's amazing that we have nothing to offer God but our brokenness and our problems. We've got nothing. Yet He chooses to love us with an everlasting love. It's free. It's right there. If we will only accept it. So think about that. What is it that you truly love? I think if we were to ask God, God, what is it that you truly love? He would say, you. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you so much for your sacrifice for us. We thank you 
for your grace that's never ending. It's new every day. And we thank you that even though we bring nothing but brokenness, you love us anyway. I pray your blessings over these people today that they'll open their hearts and their minds and their hands to you so that they might experience true freedom and love through Jesus Christ. Amen.